Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. All right, if you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 will be beginning in verse 14 today. When Jesus came on the scene, something new happened. Now, it was what God had planned from eternity past. It had been what God had promised since uh, in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, God promised Adam and Eve that there would one day be a seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. Uh, and it had been that way, and it had been God's plan all along that Jesus would come. But things changed when He finally did. Before, there was an expectation and a longing. Uh, there was a promise that they were waiting on. And th- there was a, a mourning as they waited for Jesus to come, this Messiah to come. And when Jesus finally came, Everything changed. What had only been a promise before became a fulfillment, a reality. What had only been a shadow before became the real thing. Our text today, I think, gets at this change that takes place from the Old Testament perspective to the New Testament reality when the Messiah has finally come to His people. Let's go ahead and take a look at our text, beginning in verse 14. It's a short text today. I say we might get out early, but sometimes when I say that, it ends up just being just as long, so let's not not get our hopes up. Then the disciples of John came to Him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into the old wineskins. If it is, the skin bursts and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us Uh, to see what it is that You are saying to us through Your Word. Help us to glory and to rejoice in the new reality that we have because of Your coming as a mediator between God and man. Lord, we love You. I pray that You give me strength Give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Basically, this passage functions like this. In the first verse of the passage, we have these uh, disciples of John the Baptist. They come to Jesus with a question. And then the other three verses of this uh, are Jesus answering the question by three different metaphors. That's the basic structure that we see here. Um, So let's look first at the question. Then disciples of John came to him. Now, who is this John that he's talking about? That would be John the Baptist. John the Baptist, um, remember, was the forerunner that came before Jesus. He was the one who was out in the wilderness proclaiming, uh, prepare the way of the Lord. So his whole point of his ministry was to say, was to announce that Jesus, the Messiah, was finally coming. That he was finally here. And just like Jesus had disciples, he had the twelve that were called apostles, and he had many others that were following him. John had also collected disciples before Jesus had come on the scene, and they were following John and learning from John, and he was their Bible teacher. Now, John, by this point, had already been put in prison by Herod. But his disciples, his his followers, um, they noticed a difference between what John had taught them and what Jesus was teaching his disciples. John's disciples and the Pharisees as well, which we know the Pharisees often had conflicts with Jesus because of the way Jesus seemed to be not following the traditions of man that the the Pharisees were used to, John's disciples and the Pharisees had this in common. They were fasting. They had regular fasts. Now, if we look at the Old Testament law, there was only one time of the year, actually only one day of the year, that the Jews were required to fast, and that was the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement we read about in Leviticus chapter 16. And on the Day of Atonement, that was the day whenever um, the, uh, the, there was like two lambs brought before the priest and the priest would put his hands on one of the goats. Actually, they would let one of the, not lamb, goat, but lambs, they would let one of the lambs go and wander into the wilderness while the other lamb... Uh, the priest would put his hands on and put all of the sins of the people on and sacrifice that one that had all the people's sins on it. And that was looking forward to the fact that Jesus would one day come and die for our sins. That was the only day of the year that the Jewish people were required by the Jewish law to fast. But they also fasted for many other things just as a part of being a, a good religious Jew. They had many different uh, fasts that were just customs that were not required by the law. In fact, um, they, from my reading, it looks like they, they would actually fast every Monday and Thursday as a part of their regular week. So, John's disciples and the Pharisees, they, they noticed they were practicing this fasting regularly, and Jesus' disciples were not. And they wondered, what is the difference? We're fasting. John even taught us to fast. But your disciples aren't fasting. What's the difference? They might have even thought, well, gee, 
we must be better than Jesus' disciples. We're more holy because we're doing this religious fasting. Jesus then answers them. He says, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? That's the, that's the question here. And what this is doing, Jesus is putting him, Himself in the place of the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus in this analogy. Okay? And why is that significant? We look at the Old Testament passages like the one that Amy read for us this morning, and what we see in the Old Testament is God reveals Himself as a husband to Israel. Over and over and over again. It was in the passage that uh, Amy read from. It's also uh, in, in many different places. We think about the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet who uh, the whole book is about this marriage analogy where God tells Hosea to go and marry uh, an adulterous woman, a prostitute. And he marries this woman and brings her into his house and she runs off and she's unfaithful and he keeps going after her. And the whole point of this uh, in the life of Hosea was to show how God keeps running after His idolatrous people and bringing them back in and forgiving them in spite of their unfaithfulness. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this picture that God is the bridegroom. And the Messiah, they, they didn't have all the whole picture of who Jesus was going to be. They, they thought that He would just be a man. They thought that He would be a, 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 someone who would come and deliver them from the Romans. Yet, Jesus would be God in the flesh. God and man in one person. And so... This analogy that Jesus gives to answer the question of why they don't fast is the fasting was because they were longing, they were waiting, they were mourning, waiting the coming of the Messiah. When someone fasts, the point is to give up something so that it brings your awareness of your longing and your desires you know, when we're hungry, we're very aware of, of our, our desires, our fleshly desires. But the point of fasting for a religious purpose is so that it, it helps us that when we, when we feel that hunger pain, we're reminded to long for God. And that's what they did in the Old Testament. They were longing for the coming of the Messiah. Jesus here says, can the, bridegroom, bride, the friends of the bridegroom, the wedding guests, mourn as the, wed, as the bridegroom is with them? He's here! Jesus had come. The Messiah had come. It would be inappropriate for them to continue fasting and mourning because He was here. It was time to celebrate. It was time to live in joy because the Messiah was in their presence. The disciples had God in the flesh right with them, communing with them. And so it was inappropriate for them to, to continue to have the perspective of Old Testament people. 
longing and waiting. But then Jesus says, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast. So here Jesus acknowledges one of these days at that point, he was going to die on the cross, rise again, excuse me, rise again and ascend into heaven. He was going to send his spirit and we would be waiting and longing in expectation again that he would come again. But for the time that Jesus was present here physically with his disciples, that was inappropriate to fast. It was time to rejoice. The next verse, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Now, usually in our day and age, whenever we get a hole in a pair of pants or a shirt or something, what do we do? We throw it away and get a new one or we just keep on wearing it until we can't wear it anymore. We throw it away and get a new one usually. We don't worry about patching things. But those of you who are older who are here with us, you may remember a time when you would patch things. You didn't have the money to go out and get something new. It's, you know, it's only got a little hole. You patch it up. And back in the ancient world, they did the same thing. They weren't going to be wasteful with, with cloth, though, whenever a garment, whenever a, uh, one of their cloaks or something like that would get a hole in it, they weren't going to throw the whole garment out and get a new one. It was too expensive. So they would patch it. But they knew if you have an older garment that you've been wearing long enough that it's already starting to get holes, you don't go out and get a brand new piece of cloth to sew onto it to patch it. Because what's going to happen? You put it in the washing machine, which they didn't have washing machines, but I know. You put it in the washing machine, you put it in the dryer, and what happens? It's going to shrink that patch material, and the, it's going to tear. And Jesus' point is, if you put a new patch on an old garment, it's going to make it. It's going to tear it, and it's not going to be. It's not going to work. The point here is the same point he was getting at before. It's inappropriate to act in the way that they used to act in different circumstances. Jesus had come. The Messiah had come. This is now a New Testament reality. No longer longing and waiting and expecting, but it was a new reality. And to try to act like the Old Testament era in the New Testament reality where Jesus had finally come, it was just break everything. It would be inappropriate and it would be destructive to act like Jesus had never come. The next illustration, the final illustration he uses, he says, neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If the skin bursts, and the wine is spilled, and the, the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. So here's the picture. Uh, in that day and age, uh, they didn't put their wine in a bottle or something like that. Instead, they would have skins, like leather skins. They would, they would uh, kill an animal, and they would have, uh, uh, have um, uh, the skin from this animal. they sew it up tight. And that, that and waterproof it in whatever way that they could. 
And they would put the wine in there. And while it was still fresh, the wineskins had some elasticity to it. They could stretch a little bit. So new wine would go in that so that it could stretch. But once it got a little bit older, those skins would get brittle and they would not be able to be so elastic. So if you put new wine that's not fermented yet, not completely fermented, into these old wineskins and you seal it up, what would happen is as that fermentation process continues to go, it would expand and this this, uh, old wineskin would be so brittle and it would break and and the wine would be lost and it would be no good for anything. Jesus is teaching the same message that He taught in the other places. It's inappropriate in this new reality to act like we're in the old reality. It's inappropriate in this new reality to act like we're in the old reality. It would be destructive. It would be damaging to act like we're in the old reality. So how does that, what does that mean to us? We no longer do the things that they did in the Old Testament. Sacrifices. We no longer have a sacrifice. We no longer have to kill a lamb or a bull or anything like that. All of those things were shadows that were pointing forward to the time when Jesus would come. We don't have a continual over and over and over sacrifice. But it is, as Hebrews says, once for all finished on the cross. The sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross covers all of our sins. Past, present, and future. We don't have to keep going back over and over again to try to try to appease God because Jesus has appeased God by His blood. Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God forever against all those who have faith in Him. We don't go back to that Old Testament reality. Now, I want to give a warning here in this passage. I think sometimes this passage gets misused. Sometimes this passage gets misused. We see this passage that talks about how you need new wineskins instead of old wineskins for new times. And so people would say, well, times have changed. Times have changed, so we need a new way of reaching people. The old methods of preaching God's Word doesn't work anymore. We need a new way. We need a new method. People have changed. This is the modern world. It sounds pretty seductive. It sounds like it's maybe something you would get from this passage, but it's not. Jesus was talking about the Old Testament realities that have passed away and that are not compatible with the New Testament reality. This is not saying that we somehow change what we believe, what we teach, or how we practice in the church. Yes, we may update our songs. 
We may have newer music. We may even use a band one of these days. But the, the, the thing that we are committed to hasn't changed since Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We continue to come when we hear God's Word every Sunday. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread. And we, once a month, we take communion together as a part of breaking bread, just like the, Old Te- just like the uh, New-, New Testament early church did. To fellowship. We want to spend time with one another in each other's lives and helping one another follow Jesus and encouraging one another. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the the apostles' teaching to fellowship and to prayer. We need to pray together. Paul told Timothy, give your attention to the reading of the, the public reading of Scripture. That's what we do here. We publicly read the Scripture. Paul tells us to to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. The same things that worked in the New Testament era work today. Humanity hasn't so fundamentally changed because we're in the 21st century that we have somehow have to adopt new methods. And we don't change our message either. We are sinners who are destined for hell if we don't have Jesus. And Jesus has come to save us from our sins. He died on the cross and all who have faith in Him can look to Him and be saved. Trust in Him. The Gospel does not say, (coughs) oh, it's okay. Everybody does it. The Gospel says, you're right, everybody does it. That's a problem. Jesus died for it. Look to Him. The Gospel does not say, well, we understand better about human sexuality in the 21st century than they did back in the Apostles' day. That's not what the Gospel says. The Gospel still keeps the same standard that the early church believed in. Same moral standard. Times haven't changed that much. And God's will for us is still our sanctification. That we abstain from sexual immorality. That we be filled with the Spirit. That we pursue holiness. That is still God's will for us today. It hasn't changed. That's the danger I see that sometimes this text is misused. New times call for new wineskins. When Jesus gave this analogy, it was a one-time thing. He was coming into the world. Everything's different after Jesus. That's what he was talking about. Maybe you're here today and you don't know this Jesus. Maybe you're still trying to gain His approval through your works, through saying enough prayers, 
through fasting, through whatever. Just being a good enough person. We can never do it that way. We can only rejoice because Jesus has taken our sin upon Himself and nailed it to the cross. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.